Yes, Father, there was a time we were wearing dirty grave clothes, <laughs> spotted with sin, iniquity, transgressions. And you, you came as the hound of heaven and told us about your son. And we responded. And we received him. And we came out of those dirty, filthy grave clothes of sin, iniquity, transgressions, and we were, we were given a new robe by you. Some of us were buried and were in those dirty grave clothes for, who knows, five years, 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. And now we're out. And we thank you for that. We were buried there a long time. I was buried there for 27 years. I can tell you, Father, thank you. Because my grave clothes are new. Not that I'm not a sinner. Not that I don't sin anymore. But my grave clothes are new. And as I always tell the congregation, there's one thing God can't do. And everybody says, what? But he chooses to do this. He chooses not to see your sin, transgressions, and iniquity through the blood of his son, Jesus. And you are clean because of Jesus, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. By grace, you're saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works that any man could boast. He saved us. That's it. He did it all. For you to say you need to do something else is to say his work wasn't complete. But last week, and a couple times, I think it was a men's group, we just taught on what Jesus said last. It is finished. It is perfectly perfect. You who receive Christ as your Savior are born again. And you now, your spirit, your soul, and your your body, your spirit just came alive and you put on new grave clothes. And those grave clothes were, were new robes and righteous and holy because of what Jesus did. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your holy name today. Lord, as we look into our study today, priceless. And we're probably going to cover just one more point out of five, maybe two. But Lord, we're going to see what is priceless that you have done for us. And Lord, let us open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to hear and understand what you are going to say to the church today as you walk through it like you did in the seven churches of Revelation. You walk through and you gave them the good points and the bad points and things to correct and, for, and to be repent of. Lord, we repent today. I repent personally. If I could repent for the whole world, I'd do it. But I can't. I can repent for myself. And I repent of my sin today. I'm a sinner, Lord. Saved by grace through Jesus Christ. But because I'm a sinner saved by grace, I'm a saint. And I thank you. I don't have to be ordained by some mission or some church or congregation. I'm a saint because I put my faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I pray that the whole world would do that. 
those here, those over the internet. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. faith in Jesus Christ, you came out with a new robe. It's no more dirty and speckled by sin and transgressions and iniquity. It is perfectly perfect and you are clean. Praise the name of the Lord. That's why we, that's why we come to church on Sunday. That's why we, we live a life for Jesus. That's why we read our Bibles and, and read devotionals because of what he did for us. God bless you. You may be seated, everybody. Those online, you're listening to the Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. You know what? I'm glad you tuned in. I believe God is going to manifest himself, just like we said here and sang here today, as he does every week. Some of us see it, and some of us are blind to it. Some people being blind, they haven't put on the new grave clothes by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. They seem to be blind to these things. And some people, sometimes we're so busy with our own stuff that we miss what God is doing. That's why when I prayed earlier, you know, when you woke up this morning, you took a breath, and that breath was from God. And when you went to sleep last night before you're, you fell asleep, that last breath was from God. And we say, what's God ever done for me? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Put on, a, a bless, put on your blessing heart. And look at God. Listen, those online, this is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're a small church in South Florida. You know, if you're local, you just get on I-95. You head to High Paluxo Road, which is the north border of Boynton Beach and the south border of Lantana. And, and you go west one quarter mile, and we're on the right-hand side. It's the Lantana side of Boynton Beach. So come on by, you know, if you're local. If you're online and watching us every week, we thank you for that. Tune in next week. Invite your friends, your neighbors, your children, you know, your mother, your father, you know, to come and, and, uh, and uh, watch the church service and hear what God has to say to you. Many people come to me over the years and they say, I don't hear from God anymore. Now, you know what they just told me? They aren't reading their Bible. Because in the last day, in the former days, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks through his son. How do you know what the son, son is saying? You've got to read the word of God. Because in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word was flesh and walked among us. You want to talk, learn about Jesus? Right here, read your Bible. Not just a little devotional for three minutes a day. 
Take some time and read your Bible. Read the whole book of, of uh, you know, Ephesians. We're going to be in there today. We're in Ephesians 2 today. And we're going to be there next week. And I think the next week, and we were there two weeks ago before the, the uh, Australian evangelist came. So we're going to be in, in Ephesians. It's a, it's a powerful book. Read the whole thing through, and then you'll get a lot more of what I'm teaching here this week. Listen, um, for those online, Freedom Church, pb.org. You go to Freedom Church, pb.org. You can uh, find out our list of ministries. You can listen to services from past from uh, the past. You can you can read our beliefs, and you can even give online should you should you do should you uh, be led by the Spirit. And I tell you what, you should be led by the Spirit. I don't know how to preach in money. We don't even take an offering. We'll be here nine years, August first, but we have never taken an offering. There's boxes in the back. It's not about money here, although we need money to operate. So everybody needs to understand that. You know, it's you know, COVID took a chunk out of the church, not just this church, but every church is suffering. I know a lot of pastors, and they're telling me the same thing. Their congregations just are down by two thirds, or one half. You know, they haven't come back yet. Well, come to church, Freedom Church. There's only a hop, skip, and a jump away from you. Come on by. Listen. Um, we stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. So, um, and like I said, invite your friends and relatives, men if you're local, 9 a.m. every Saturday morning. We have a Bible study here, starts at 9. We, we go to about 10, 10.30, but we're usually not out of here until noon because the guys like to hang around in fellowship. And that's what the church is all about. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, says the Scriptures. And all the more, as the time draws near, and the time is drawing near. So, I left out part of that verse. So, so um, you get fellowship, you get encouragement, you get exhortation from your brothers and sisters in Christ. So get out the church. You don't get that over the TV. And I'm, some people can't make it out, that's great. You're great, you're watching TV. If Freedom Church is one of your, your um, uh, listeners, listenings too, then please support us with your tithes and offerings and gifts, if you can, because we, we need it. Every, every church needs it right now. All, all what happens, you know what happens when the church fails to give? The missionaries can't get supported. They're already in the field, and they need help from their churches. So what we do, we're cutting out, first thing, by not tithing or giving, you're cutting out the money that will support missions to win the world to Christ and you know when that last person that has an open heart is saved, we're out of here. So the f more we give, the faster we're out of here. That's the way I look at it. It's that simple. So we've got to have uh, help from you all. For those here, you know the books in the back are Gospels of John. Take them. Give them to somebody. In the middle, I stamped it, Freedom Church. They can call the church, and I can talk with them and about the Lord. For those envelopes in the back, for those that are here every week, you know, to uh, help support the work. For if you're online, I wrote a book. It took me 10 years to write this book. And I wasn't procrastinating all those years. You know, God was teaching me. And I wrote this book. It came out last April. And uh, it's not a bestseller. Why is it not a bestseller? Let me tell you why. I'm going to read the first part of it. Um, 
I have a warning in here. Where is it? Hey. A word of warning for this book. I want you to know where we stand. This church freedom is all about Jesus Christ, him crucified, dead, buried, and risen, according to the scriptures. Here's a word of warning right in the front, second, third page. This book contains a great deal of scripture, and scripture will change your life and the way you live. So if you're a drunk, an alcoholic, a drug addict, you know, whatever, you know what, it, this book can change, the, bo- the word of God can change you, because I use a lot of word, a word of God. If you give online and you, you tell me you have somehow, I don't know how you do that. You might know more about that. You tell me you, you know, send any donation, I will send you a free book free of charge. So uh, come on out. Also on the back table for those here today, there's these tracks on the back table. Um, it's called One Way. It's mostly pictures. I went through this whole book, and I have sticky tags hanging all out of it, and I can preach from this, and I just might do it in a couple of weeks after I'm done with this teaching. Because there's only one way to heaven, whether you like it or not. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except by me. That means Buddha's out, Muhammad's out, Allah's out, Jesus Christ is Lord. And we sang all about it today. Lewis did a great job, by the way. Thank you, Lewis. Amen. Um, I might preach out of this. There's one on the ta- some on the table back there. If we run out, I have more right up here uh, on the pulpit. Um, let's see. I think that's about it. Um, let's get into our Bible study. Let's get into our Bible study. Oh, I got Theron in the back. Listen, this is the same flyer that we had uh, three weeks ago, before the week before the missionary from or the evangelist from Australia was here. You know, if you still have that flyer, that's great. Keep it. We're going to be there a couple more weeks. If you if you don't have it, raise your hand, and Theron will give you a flyer. And if you online want want this flyer, uh, uh, please come in, and I'll and I'll give you one, or we'll send you one if you if you tell us. You know, I've been teaching for a long, long time. I'm not the greatest teacher in the world, and that's okay. God doesn't, God doesn't choose the best. He, he doesn't equip the, you know, he equips the, the anointed. What can I say? How can I say that? You know, he equips your calling. I'm not, my, my, worst, my worst subject in high school was literature, and he had me write a book. Do you believe that? <laughs> you know? Oh, gee, that's really something. You know why? It isn't written with perfect English. And you know what? That's okay. That's up from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I, we have our slang. I tried to take it all out, but it's impossible. I spent 40 some years in Pittsburgh, you know. So that accent is in there. That way we talk is in there. But that's okay. That's being real. It's being real. You don't have to be a professional writer. What, what, what is important is the content. You see what I'm saying? God doesn't care what you do for him. He cares about the content of your heart, which is having Christ as your Savior. And um, I'm going to be preaching. I've been preaching since I was 1985. I started preaching and teaching when my pastor died in the church I was in, and he, I was an elder. And I taught every Wednesday night. 
every Wednesday night for years until we found a pastor. It took like three years to find a pastor. And then, you know, I, I don't know, that's just been my strong point. Uh, and uh, like I said, I'm not perfect. Especially in my older age, I forget a word or this or that, and that's okay. It's just real life. People, people think you have to be a great, eloquent speaker. Well, so did Moses. Remember what God said to Moses? He said, who made your tongue? You mean I can't make you speak eloquently? And you know what? Uh, evidently, Moses didn't believe it because Aaron became the spokesman, his brother, because he was perfect lingual, and he's actually the, 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 the tribe of the religious tribe. He was the first high priest, really. And he, you know, Aaron spoke good, but Moses stuttered. So when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh, okay, Moses is stuttering. He's talking to Aaron, and Aaron's translating it to Pharaoh so that Pharaoh can understand who's in charge. It wasn't Aaron because he was the spokesman. It was the man with the... With the tongue-tied man. God can use you no matter where you're at or what you're doing. So do it. So what? You know, I was, uh, I, I'm saying that because nowadays I forget a word here and there. I forget my scripture references sometimes. I don't have Alzheimer's. I get tested every six months. Matter of fact, I'm always better than I was the month before or the same. So it's just, I don't know. I just, you know, things that like that. Maybe it's so that God can make you think. Why are you thinking about the pastor? How about you? You know? Why did I teach? Why do I teach up here? Because the pastor needs at least a double dose of what the congregation needs. So I'm the first one to get convicted or whatever. So know that. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching about to myself and you guys are luckily seeing it from what God says in the Word of God as I try to expound it to you. So this message is five things that are priceless out of Ephesians chapter 2. Last week, or two weeks ago, I only went to the sixth verse, although I did capitalize on verse 10 for a while, because there are five things in this chapter that are priceless. And I'm going to wrap through them real quickly, and your flyer has them all numbered as you go down, okay? Number one, you are God's priceless creation. Number two, you are God's price. God has given you a priceless covenant, the new covenant. Not the old covenant, the new covenant. Priceless, God has given you a priceless cross. You can't be crucified for your sins. It had to be priceless, and only the blood of Christ was priceless. You have a priceless church. The church is priceless, whether you're Catholic, Protestant, uh, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran. The, you are God's church. Anyone that believes in Jesus with all their heart, not their head, but their heart, is the church. Whether you belong to some particular denomination does not matter. God has his remnant in every single church. Every single church has a remnant. That means people that really believe that Jesus came, died, was buried, and is risen. And they believe it not with this, but with this. 
You have a priceless citizenship. And your citizenship is no longer the United States of America or whatever continent you live on. Your citizenship is now in heaven. From the day you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, your citizenship changed. Your visa does not read USA. It reads heaven. You've got to know these things. It's important that you know the Word of God. That's why you have to read it. You know, there was a lady here that came years ago. She rented an apartment up the road, okay? She walked here every day. She was Catholic. Walked in, and some of you know her. I'm talking about Linda Casaselli. She's with the Lord now. She walked in here. She was Catholic. I was preaching. She said, I never heard this before. And I, she right there bowed her head and accepted Jesus Christ. She's been dead for about three, two, three years. She bowed her head and accepted Jesus Christ, and she was here every Sunday, practically. And you know what? She used to take notes reading her Bible, and she would show me her writings, and I'd read them and tell her whether they were good or bad. But she read the Bible out of several different versions, the whole thing, from Genesis to Revelation. She read it, she read it, you know, in, in the New King James, the King James Version, or Three versions at least she read it in. That's how she was. She was growing like wildfire, but then she passed away. She was, you know, she was supposed to be dead like five years before she passed because she was sickly. And she did not die of COVID, by the way. She died going to the doctor's office. She just fell out on the, fell under the ground on the way to the doctor's office right by his door up here at JFK. But Linda was an encouragement to me because this little church, she walked by, she walked in, she got saved. She's here about, I don't know, three, four years, and she passed away, and now she's in heaven. That's all because Freedom Church, and people gave to Freedom Church, and that's why we're here. And if that's the only reason why we're here, that's good enough. And there's many more, but I just gave you one example. But you are a priceless creation. I'm going to review this from what we had two weeks ago. You are a priceless creation. Verse 10 says, why am I in Philippians when I'm supposed to be in Ephesians? Chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And remember, I I held up these pictures. You know, this is the workmanship of Leonardo da Vinci. This is the workmanship. This is Esther and King Azariah, Azariah, something like that. I forget his name. I'm not good at pronunciation. But this is Ruth when she went before the king and where she went before him to save the Jewish nation you know, she could have got killed by, by her husband for even walking and entering that, but she took a chance. For such a time as this, the whole Jewish nation was won over. And then this one is the one who created you. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But that, the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's the creator. 
and you are his workmanship. Just like, I think it's this is Karl Bach. Just like Karl Bach painted this, you are God's workmanship. And his signature is on you. And he loves you. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life in the kingdom of heaven. People say, I believe everybody's name is written in that book. It gets, a, it gets erased when you, you blaspheme God. You blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And how do you blaspheme the Holy Spirit? By not listening to him, because all of his life he's been telling you, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, in one way or the other. Blasphemy is when you no longer hear his voice because you have drawn your last breath. That's the unpardonable sin. You live your whole life and do not receive the gift that God gave for you. For he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him, doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, white, purple, it doesn't matter. To them he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. You are his workmanship. We need to know that. The soul I went over last week, the soul is from God. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you know, says this. May the God of peace sanctify you completely, not partially, completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. You're, you are a triune being just like God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, your soul is from God. We sang about the dry bones that came, came alive. That's Ezekiel 37. The, how did they come alive? God was talking to Ezekiel, and he said, he said what did he do? Ezekiel asked God to breathe on the bones. And he breathed on the bones, God, and the bones came to life. You came to life because God blew breath into you. Adam was made out of the dust. And how did he come to life? He, uh, God fashioned him beautiful. I'm sure God can paint pictures a lot better than that. How did he come to life? Because when after he created him, he blew into his nostrils. And he became a living being. And then he created woman from the rib, as you well know. Your soul is from God. Your soul is priceless. It's priceless. Your soul, all your life, whether you're, you're one or 101, all your life, your soul needs to come to, to life. It's priceless. Only your soul can, you, by receiving Christ as your Savior, can the Holy Spirit come into you and your spirit comes alive. Right now, ever hear Jeremy Camp's song, Dead Man Walking? People that don't have the Spirit have not been saved. They're dead men walking. They're destined for death, eternal death. That's why it's so important that you support the church and we get out there and preach the gospel. This little church has been pretty decent at that. Listen, what else? You're, it's written that your soul, the soul that sins, dies. So how do you get rid of your sin? You believe in Jesus Christ, him crucified. That's it, done. With all your heart, I might add. 
you know, you're, you know what? Let's see. Your soul that sins will die. Your spirit has to come alive. And how's it come alive? But Jesus said it to Nicodemus. You must be born again. And Nicodemus was all worked up out of that. What do you mean? My mother's, prob my mother's dead because he was old. My mother's dead. I can't enter into my mother's womb again. What's he talking about? He's talking about the triune being. The soul's alive, the body's alive, but the spirit's dead until you receive Christ as your Savior, and then the Holy Spirit comes into you. As Jesus said, it's impertinent that I go, that the Holy Spirit might come, because Jesus could only be in Jerusalem. So if Jesus were alive today, everybody would want a plane flight to Jerusalem to see Jesus. That would never happen. You'd spend 20,000 lifetimes trying to get there. But because the Holy Spirit came, he can be everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere. He's here right now speaking through me. He's here right now for you listening to, to the Word of God coming forth. And he's not over here. He's over in Australia, Thailand, Germany, you know, uh, Belgium, you know, he's all over the place. So that it's impertinent that, that he go away. So what else? We can have a rebirth, a, re a resurrection, just like Jesus was risen. When Jesus told, when God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, or lest you'll die. He didn't say just die physically. He's talking about spiritual death and, and, and fleshly death, which you know they died. Everybody has to die, but you don't have to die spiritual because the Lord has redeemed us through the blood of Christ. You must be born again. Ephesians 2.1 in this chapter reads this way, And you did not, and you did he make alive when you were dead spiritually, that means, through your trespasses and sin. And John, as I quoted John 3, 3 and 5, you must be born again. He didn't say, you, it's so you know you you um, what can I say? He he didn't. This is well. Let's put it this way. This is a command. You must be born again. That's the command in literature. It's a sentence. It's a command. You must be born again. He didn't say well, if you want to. He said you must. These words are important in the scripture. You must be born again. And don't get all worked up about it. Jesus said it. I didn't. You know what, don't get all worked about being born again is just receiving Christ as your Savior. And now your spirit comes alive. And now when you read the Bible, it makes sense to you. Because the Holy Spirit is in you, and now you're alive, and you can see the, read the words of life. I know people that shook their hands at God and said, I, I can't read that, it's a bunch of nonsense. If you're really there, come into my heart. And then they grab the Bible and they read and they go, what happened? It's like it was illuminated to them, and they got saved. We have an ascension to heaven. We're going to be raised up together, Ephesians verse, chapter 2, verse 6, and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's it. You're God's workmanship, and he wants your soul. He wants you because he loves you. He loves you. 
with all of his heart. He loved you so much, he sent his son. Listen, would you send your son to die for somebody else? Well, if you did, it would be great love because greater man has as this, that he laid down his life for another. I don't think I could do it, even if I was at odds with my son. But God did it because he loves us. We have an ascension to a heavenly place. Verse 6 of Ephesians, he will raise up up together to heavenly places. He's going to raise us up, and we're going to heaven. We were once far off, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. We were once far off from God. But we're drawn, we are, we are, we're, we're far off, but now we've been made near to him. This morning, you can come right before the throne of God, if you're a believer, and you can bow at his feet. You can bow at his feet. In the Old Testament, the Jews couldn't do that. There was a temple with three parts in it. It was the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And the holy of holies would contain the Ark of the Covenant. And, be, and it was put behind a curtain. And once a year, only the high priest could go before Almighty God. But you, because of what Jesus did when he, when he died, you remember the scriptures say, the curtain in the temple, the one that separated the holy place from the holy of holies where God dwelt, that curtain was ripped in two from top to bottom, making an entrance for every man that wants to enter in. So anybody can go. As long as you have Christ as your Savior, you can go right before the throne of God. And you can say, God, I love you. Or you can say, God, what's happening? Or you can say, God, help me with this. A lot of people even shake their hand at God then. What, why did this happen to me in my life? God didn't do it to you. I'm going to tell you that right now. God loves you. Just like you treat your children well, he will treat his children well. It happened. Why is there hurricanes and all this stuff and s diseases and that? You know what it is? You can't blame it on God. Everybody blames it. Why? Why is this an act of God? Why would God do that? God didn't do it. He created a perfect world. The world was perfect. We messed it up. We sinned. And the devil took control. So say the devil did it. God didn't do it. He created a bad place. Because we willingly sinned, these are the consequences of what happened. That's why there's cancer. That's why there's multiple sclerosis. That's why there's hurricanes. And tornadoes. We messed the world up, not God. I even showed you in the beginning three eras of God. From, from, from Adam to from Adam to the law, God was merciful, gracious. Cain killed Abel, and God did not kill Cain. God put a mark on him so nobody would kill him. And if they did, they were in big trouble. See, God had grace and mercy. He put, and the law was instituted by God through Moses. And from there on, God said, you know what God was saying? You are bad people. I'm going to put you in the corner like a teacher would put her student in a corner being bad in class. So God came up with the 
Old Testament that would tell us how to live so that we wouldn't murder people, we wouldn't steal, we wouldn't lie, that we would worship him, uh, him only, and we would keep the Sabbath day holy. So God was putting us in a corner and saying, if you sin, there's consequences. But once Christ died on the cross, now we're in the era of grace again, just like the first. And you know that middle era there? You know, the, the old covenant era, the law? It was only was spanned like 1,600 years. God spent 2,200 in grace between Adam and Moses, and he spent over 2,023 years already since Christ died on the cross to grace. So tell me, is God more gracious than penalizing? No, yeah, he's more gracious. Grace came back into the picture. Grace, consequence, grace. So don't blame anything on God anymore. Blame it on yourselves for being sinners. Because that's why I came. I'm speaking for God. I'm one of God's spokesmen. Just like you are. I'm speaking for God. I don't want him blamed for what we did. You're just to blame. Like, like when you were kids, you'd blame it on your brother or your sister. That's all we're doing. Blame it on God. God isn't like that. We have a wonderful hope because of him. We're going to heaven. We have hope because we're justified now. Here's what Paul said in Romans 8. Moreover, whom he did predestine them, he also called, whom he called, and he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. He glorified you because you're going to heaven. There's no way you could go to heaven with sin on you. Just like I would not drink anything out of this water bottle if somebody put poison in it or something unclean. I wouldn't drink it. I know you wouldn't drink it. And you expect God to let you into heaven with sin? Ain't going to happen. You need your blood, your sin cleansed by the blood of Christ. There, there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. You find that in Leviticus 17 and also uh, Hebrews chapter 10. 9 and 10. Here's the second point, if you're looking at your, your papers. You have a priceless covenant. I just went over it. Era 1, grace. Era 2, consequence. Era 3, grace again. We have a priceless covenant because we have a new covenant. Remember, next week we're going to take communion because the first of the month. Listen. Jesus instituted the new covenant from the old covenant at the Last Supper. We entered into that night. He was arrested. He went to seven different trials, seven different trials, okay? And, and uh, you say six, and I can tell you the spiritual trial, and he passed that one. But according to the Jews and the Romans, he failed every other one before that. But God pronounced him clean. You have a priceless covenant. We are under grace through faith, not of ourselves. You don't have to pay for your sin. If I had to pay for my sins and go through what Jesus did, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't want to do it. So why not receive him as your Savior? It's that simple. You have a precious covenant. God made covenants with Adam, 
Noah, Melchizedek, Abraham, Moses, Israel, David, and there's more. He made covenants with them. Okay? Right now, the covenant of the rainbow is under attack. Did you know that? By pride issues. The gay people. That covenant, the devil's trying to steal it from God. And I'm going to tell you what. He'll never be able to steal it from God. The, the, the gay pride movement will be crushed eventually. Just like he crushed Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, God loves you. He might, it's not going to be with fire and brimstone. It's going to be with conviction of their hearts. And they're going to get saved. Just like the hippies did in the 1960s. That's what's going to happen. Because God loves them. And so do you. You just don't like what they do. God made covenants with them. The rainbow is under attack. Promises were part of covenants. In the covenant, there was a promise. And in the covenant, there was bloodshed. That's why marriage is not just a contract. It is a covenant. So when a man and a woman come together, and when I do weddings, I tell them that. You're, to the people there, I say, you're going to see a miracle today, but they're not going to recognize it unless I tell them what it is. But God takes two people and makes them one. How does he do that? That's a blood covenant. Now they're blood. You know what? And your children are proof of that blood covenant. So that's why God hates divorce. And many of us have been divorced. Maybe we had unfaithful, unfaithful spouses. And there's room for that. Read Second Corinthians or First Corinthians chapter seven. You know, there's room for that. God frees you. If you you were married and your spouse was uh, cheating, then you have you are you are free. You're free to marry again after you're divorced. And when somebody wants to leave a marriage, there's nothing you can do about it. You try, you try, you try. You go to court, you do whatever, but. You know, when one person says, that's it, it's it, you, you have no choice in the matter. They take the, the we and they turn it to I. You see? They were, they're breaking that blood covenant. Even, even when, they, when there's adultery, there's, there's a blood covenant. It's fractured. That's why God hates divorce. You find that in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Even, even through... Through the time of, the, of Israel, God had always promised a new covenant. Here's what Jeremiah said, 31, 31, and Jeremiah, the prophet, the weeping prophet. He weeped, why? Because Israel was so far gone into sin. Jeremiah 31, 31. I mean, I better read it out of uh, uh, the true thing. No. I want to read the whole thing, and I only wrote part of it down here for you. 3131 Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made in the past. Remember the covenant of, of uh, the, 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 old, the, the covenant of the of Moses, the Mosaic law, not according to that covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that they, that I took them 
by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities, and their sin I will remember no more. That's the new covenant. You have been wiped clean by the new covenant of God's grace through faith. There's so much more. But you know what? That doesn't eliminate the Old Testament. Here's what was written in Psalm 103, and you know it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was in with, within me, bless his holy name. O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. That means all the benefits in the, in the Mosaic Law period and all the benefits from God are, are available today for every believer. Forget not all my benefits. So, there's healing in the blood of Jesus. There's healing in the, in the body, broken body of Jesus. That's the way it is. The promises still hold true. But the covenant has been changed because Jesus took the blame for us and shed his blood. Without the shedding of blood, and I mean righteous blood, no flesh could be saved. Righteous blood. And the only one that was righteous was God's son. There was no man on the face of the earth that was righteous enough to do such a thing. David, he was a sinner, a murderer, an adulterator. Huh? How about Moses? How about Abraham, Isaac? They both lied to the Egyptian Pharaoh about their wives. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, and we all need a Savior. And how does a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to God's Word. God's Word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. You know what? In order to hide God's Word in your heart so you don't sin against Him, you have to read this. Because this tells you what's sin and what isn't. The world says adultery's okay. The world says gay pride's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Our old family members asked me if I would marry a gay couple. And the answer is absolutely not. I don't even have to think about it. Because God created a man, a woman for a man. I love them. I'll try to change them. I know some of them. We got some in the family. I'll try. I'll preach to them, but it's going to take them with a heart's knowledge to repent and come to Christ. So, you know what? You have to know God's word, and God does not approve of sodomy. 
Well, God does not approve of adultery. And God does not approve of liars or cheaters or stealers. And God doesn't approve anybody that would take his name in vain. He's holy. And we need to be holy. He says, be holy in the scriptures as I am holy. Wow. That's a, that's a challenge for us to live correctly. That's why the laws was given. That's what Jeremiah said. I'll put uh, my law in their heart. You know that it's not good to commit murder. You know that. You know that it's not good to lie. You know that. It's put in your spirit. A lot of people say, I don't believe in God. Oh, yes, they do. Because the scriptures tell us that God has, has put in them to know that he is God. They have to look for him. I searched for him on that rock in South Vietnam when I asked God to get me out of here alive. And he did. It took me six, seven years after I'm home to recognize it. And then I gave my life to the Lord. God made a covenant with all who will believe in him, confess their sins, and accept his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This covenant was sealed with the blood of Christ. You have a priceless covenant. Jesus is priceless. Priceless. For those of you that had visions about Jesus like I have, you know, that's priceless to me. I will never forget it. The one dream led me to Christ. I woke up the next morning and got saved and repented. God saying, I want you, Joe. Of all the people in the world, God wants you? What a blessing. What a calling. Do it. Do it. You only, if, you're, if you're five years old, you say, I got a lot of rest of my life. No, you don't. You don't know what's going to happen to you. If you're 80 years old, you don't know what's going to happen to you. Listen, prepare for your future. That's called wisdom. You turn for your, you prepared for your earthly, earthly goals. You need to prepare for your heavenly goals. The covenant is a covenant of grace. It's a covenant of grace. And grace is seen by works. You're not saved by the works. Here's Titus. He saved us. Not on the basis that we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul told Titus. He saved us not as a result of your works. He saved us because his blood is priceless. It's grace. And you see, you know, you see people that say they're saved and they're they're going to the prostitute house, you know, they're they're getting drunk every day. You know, that's that doesn't prove that they're, they're saved. You know them by their fruits, said Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. You know? You know them by their fruit. And getting drunk, smoking crack, having a gay lifestyle is not right. It's not obedience. And we are to be obedient. But the commandment is based on grace. But it's not because giving us a license to sin. 
And unfortunately, a lot of believers believe that. And it makes me wonder if they really are believers. Did they receive Christ with their head or their heart? It's important. You need to receive him with your heart. Ephesians. Ephesians 2 tells us that. The commandments are based on grace. We're supposed to obey the scriptures and everything we, we do. Number four, part of, of the covenant is priceless. The covenant that joins and does not divide. Here's Ephesians 2.14. For he is our peace who has made both one, that's Jew and Gentile, he's talking about here. That means, Gentile means any, any nation, any nationality, any race of people. In this case, there's Romans. And there's Greeks. But it's everybody. I remember, I remember uh, Mel Gibson when he was interviewed, and he had just put out the Passion of the Christ movie. And the, the talk show host said, well, well, who crucified Jesus? Was it the Sanhedrin Jews? Was it, was it the Romans? Was it the Greeks? And he said, don't you get it? It's all of us. All of us crucified Jesus. We're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. He willingly came. He willingly came. Listen, he abolished that wall. There's no wall between any man today. I was watching a movie, what's it, uh, Murder, She Wrote, and they went back into time, into the slave way into the slave. And there was a separation between white people and black people. Listen, they have two eyes, they have two ears, they have a tongue just like you, they have hair just like you, whether they're red, yellow, black, or white. You know what? They, they have a heart, they have legs and hands. That makes them human. And that makes them available for God's grace and mercy. Why is there a wall between them? Because of man's prejudice. Man's prejudice. Unbelievable. We have really messed up God's world. You know, Paul taught about that in the... I taught it here at church years ago. It was a Thursday night. I taught about Philemon and Onesimus. Paul writes to, you know, Paul writes to Philemon. One chapter... It's only like 22 verses. And in that chapter, what, what had really happened was Philemon was a, a landowner and a slave owner. And Onesimus was a slave. Okay? Oh, Philemon was the landowner who got saved somehow by the Apostle Paul. Onesimus ran away from his owner, Philemon. And Paul was in prison, and Onesimus was there. He was in prison. So Paul leads Philemon to Christ, 
And Paul also leads the runaway slave to Christ, Onesimus. So Paul, Paul tells him this, you know, that Philemon, you owe, he writes a letter. He's telling Onesimus, because you're a Christian, you need to go back to, your, to Philemon, who Paul knew. You need to confess and repent and ask for forgiveness. And Onesimus did. Even though by, by, by running away from Philemon, the sentence was death. But Onesimus went back. But Paul sent a letter with him, and that's the letter that we read. And that letter, letter says, Philemon, receive Onesimus as a brother. And remember, Philemon, you owe me your life. And if he owes you anything, like he stole something, if he owes you anything, put it on my account. You see the picture of Christ in that? Your sin was put on Christ's account. Adam's sin went to all men. Men's sin went to Jesus, if you believe. And Jesus' righteousness comes to you. And you get to go to heaven. Wow. Praise God. Beautiful work. I'm going to teach this maybe some Sunday. Again, because I know I taught it on a Thursday night. And I think the whole church practically has changed since then. Because it's been years. I mean, it's, there's, there's nine things in 22 chapters that are very important to us. There's, there's a picture of eternity. There's a picture of two brothers. There's a picture of the advocate, that's Christ. There's a picture of the substitutionary death. There's a picture of the impartation of sin to Jesus. There's a picture of the impartation of salvation to men. And there's a picture of Jesus is coming again, Babel. Jesus is coming again, the last verse, 22. All there, 22, 22 verses, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. When I was done with a teaching, somebody in the church came up to me who's not here today, a member of the congregation, and he said, how did you figure all that out? Man, that's amazing. I said, that's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit illuminates you when you read the Gospels, and you see pictures like this and shadows of Christ everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, it's a picture of Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, there's one thing that's prominent. It's a scarlet red strand that goes from Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation chapter 22. And that 22 is Jesus. The genealogy of everybody else's, every other man in the Bible, important men just drop. But the genealogy of Jesus Christ goes all the way back all the way back from Revelation to, to Genesis and from Genesis to Revelation. It's a beautiful. That's why I like to study the Word of God. You know, you, can you, I, can, I don't know about you, but can you feel the excitement in me? I feel it because I love the Word of God. And that doesn't mean I'm perfect. I am not. Ask Liz. She'll tell you. It's not real bad, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. If you sinned a lie, you're just as guilty as somebody that murdered because sin keeps you out of heaven, no matter what sin it is. Some sins we call worse than others, and they are. Listen, the covenant is based on firmly, from what I just taught here today, the covenant 
The new covenant is based firmly on Jesus Christ and him alone. No Buddha, no Allah, no Muhammad, no Hare Krishna. It's Jesus Christ and his, his alone. Listen, in this chapter, Christ is mentioned at least, let's see, eight times. In this one chapter, Christ is, is mentioned or, or shown shadows of. Number one, we are made alive together because of Christ. Is that true? Yes? We're seated in heavenly places because of Christ. Yes? True? Yes. Okay. God shows us his rich grace towards us in Christ. Is that true? Okay. God's workmanship is, is us. Is that true? Okay. At one time, we were separated from Christ. Is that true? We were brought near by God through Christ. Is that true? In the flesh, Christ abolished the law. Is that true? Remember the errors? Through Christ, we have access to God. Is that true? Christ is a chief cornerstone. Is that true? Nine things. And there's more probably in there if you really research it. Nine things through Christ. Ephesians 2.20 says this. We're and are built upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And I don't know about you, even those online, this church is all about Jesus. I lost some people because this church is about Jesus. You have to be ready for Jesus. You have to be wanting Jesus. Remember, Jesus wasn't just some guy. He was the Son of God. He was God on earth. The Word was made flesh, says John in his first gospel, chapter 1, verse 14. The Word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. And even John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Man. You know what? You must receive Christ. There's five there's five priceless things in this chapter. We, we did one two weeks ago, and we did one today. This chapter is deep. This chapter is deep. I got, if the things go the way they are, I got three more weeks on this chapter. And it's good stuff. You have to receive Christ as your Savior. That's all that it's about. It isn't just Ephesians that talks about it. It's mentioned in the Gospels. It's seen in the book of Acts. It's actually acted out, all these things, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's the Word of God. So we have a priceless, crea a priceless creation, and we have a priceless covenant. And next week, we're going to do communion, and you're going you're gonna to remember what the covenant is. When, when you take the bread, you're remembering his broken body for you. When you take the cup, you're remembering the blood of Christ that was shed for your salvation. You need to receive Christ. Those online, 
You need to accept Christ as your Savior. Those here, you need to accept Christ as your Savior. It's important. Paul, John says it this way. But as many as received him, that means you have to ask him, he gave you the right to become a, son, a child of God. I'm going to do an illustration I did once before. Here's a $5 bill. How many of you want this $5 bill? Raise your hand. How many of you want it? You know what? There's the illustration. Everybody wants salvation, but nobody's, they want it, but they won't come and get it. Come and get it. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest in your spirit. No longer is the devil controlling you, but the spirit of the living God is controlling you. And you know what, Albert? You're going to keep this $5 bill. I don't want you to give it back. I want you to keep it. Because, yeah. <laughs> this is the only church that gives money away instead of taking money. <laughs> I want you to give it to you because well, I want it's an illustration. You don't take it for the time you're in church. You take it forever. So let's pray. All those of you online, if you do this, please notify me. Father God, in Jesus' name I come to you. I just found out today that Jesus Christ is the Lord. I found out today there's no other way to heaven. I want to have Jesus Christ to enter into my heart. I grab a hold of him, just like the woman with the issue of blood. She just fell on the ground. She just touched the tassel of his garment. Lord, today I pray that you received me as into the kingdom of heaven because I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that his blood washes my sin away and I receive him as my savior and the Holy Ghost to help me to walk this life serving you all the days of my life. And with the heart of myself, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Come on back next week or come to church. Amen. I love you. I love you all. Sure. I didn't I didn't mention Memorial Day. It's kind of a sad day. <laughs> you know? Go ahead, Grace. Come on up, we can give you the microphone. Where is it? Are we still on the air, Matt? Okay, good. Good. Yeah, you're going to become famous. <laughs> you're going to become famous with this little church. Just a little prayer, that's all. Okay. Just want to say that God first, may all the glory be his, but we are going to remember those who have served in the armed forces today just by saying a little prayer that I found. So, Heavenly Father, please, I want to ask you just to close your eyes and just remember those who have given their lives for our freedom, too. 
Heavenly Father, on this Memorial Day, we come before you choosing to remember the sacrifices made by those who served our country and gave their lives for our freedom. We pray for the families and loved ones of those who lost their lives in service to our nation. May they find comfort and peace in the knowledge that their loved ones made the ultimate sacrifice for a cause greater than themselves. We ask that you watch over and protect the men and women who continue to serve in our armed forces. Give them strength, courage, and wisdom as they work to defend our country and uphold the values of freedom and justice. We also pray for our leaders that they may have the wisdom and compassion to make decisions that honor the sacrifices of those who have gone before us and safeguard the rights and freedoms that we hold so dear. God first, country second. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I have no doubt in my heart, Lord God, that these individuals who served so faithfully and gave their lives, Lord God, to give us the freedoms that we so enjoy, Father, every day. We just thank you for them, for their selfless, selfless heart, Lord God, that they just so willingly gave of themselves, maybe never return home, Lord God. So we know they're with you, Father, and we take peace and comfort in that. And I pray that for the families that have lost a brother or sister, a son or a daughter, Lord God. May they remember today that they're in your presence, Father God. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Grace. I'm glad you, were, you came up. I should have answered it. That's true. When when I talked to Grace this morning, I was saying, um, you know, we understand that we live peaceably in America because, because of men and women that sacrifice their lives. And not only that, but we're willing to sacrifice their lives. But this younger generation coming up has forgotten that. And, you know, this, this nation was built on men and women that, that were courageous and able to stand for what was right instead of wrong. So, you know, I, I've, you know, I lost a friend in Vietnam day after we were in an NCO club just talking. And, um, you know, I still remember him this day, 52 years ago. His name was, was uh, Newcomer, Jim Newcomer. And he was a, he actually outranked me by one rank, but he died in Vietnam. And I even, I even have written down his, his on the Vietnam wall, his, his uh, name. So, you know, people have suffered big loss. Jim was just a friend of mine. And I remember he was short to go home. He was going home like a month later. And he was engaged and going to get married. And that all ended, you know. And uh, a lot of us uh, were free to, to come home. Thank God for them, too. That's why we have a Veterans Day. But, you know, we all, some gave all and some gave some. <laughs> so God bless this country. And some people say it, even in politics, but they don't really mean it. But God bless this country in the name of Jesus. God bless you all. I love you. Come back next week.